All right, it's good to be with you this evening. We're going to be in 1 Timothy, so let's go ahead and turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 1 is where we'll be. Pick the title Amazing Grace because I wanted to be creative. But it is true to our text. It is. Um, it is amazing grace. Um, as you turn into 1 Timothy chapter 1, we'll be going through 12, uh, hopefully all the way to, to 20, we'll see. But Paul, he, he writes 1 Timothy to his, his child in the faith, right? Um, this is a, a close father-son type relationship uh, with Paul and Timothy. Uh, Paul calls Timothy child. Uh, in, in different kind of versions of that four times. See, two of those are right in chapter one. Uh, he does it again in, in the book of Timothy, and then he, uh, or Second Timothy, and then he does it again in, in the book of Titus. So four times he's um, showing this, this connection between him and, and Timothy. And Paul has been Timothy's encourager, right? He's been his equipper. And now Paul is, he's charging Timothy, as we heard last week, he's charging Timothy, he's tasking this young Timothy in the faith to prevent the, uh, the spread of false teaching. It's a real problem in the church. Um, now, you know, thinking about the message today, you know, doing everything that we've been taught to, to preach uh, God's word uh, knowing the passage, praying over the passage, uh, seeing different commentaries and how they promote the passage, et cetera, and et cetera. But there, there's one other thing that it did this time that's different than any other time to prepare for this passage. I was thinking about the connection between Paul and Timothy. I was thinking about the mentorship that was taking place. And, and then I, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the oldest life group leader, I won't mention their name, just the oldest, you have to figure it out, the oldest life group leader, and I, I called the youngest life group leader, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm preaching this text, I want you to read through this text, and I, I want you to give me some feedback, what you're seeing, what's taking place, and that was really, and so you'll see some of that all through this passage. I also um, asked one of Lone Oak First Baptist Church's retired pastors, uh, ministers, uh, to do the same. So uh, three other people that's mentored people, uh, three other people who have discipled people uh, throughout their lifespan uh, is investing in what you're hearing tonight. So in verses 12 through 20 today, we'll see Paul sharing his testimony. Uh, this is possibly an attempt to, to clearly portray the gospel to, to young Timothy. You know, he's, again, they're, they're pushing against false teaching. And if you can kind of put yourself in the, those shoes of Paul, he's telling Timothy, charging Timothy to, to fight against this false teaching. And it's almost like Paul says, let me just share again my testimony to be clear about what we need to, to focus on. Maybe even shining light on, on areas perhaps where the gospel was distorted in the church. And Paul shares his testimony. The point here is, is Paul's not silent. Here's a man who, who, who shares his testimony. 
and makes it known. I, I think immediately um, uh, when it comes to us as adults, um, how God has given us a story to tell, right? And not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it with others. And we'll get to that and we'll talk more about that. But the, the, the big idea tonight, if there's one, one phrase that would tell about this passage, it would be this. Here's the big idea, is Jesus came to save sinners. Simply, Jesus came to save sinners. So let's read the passage. Starting in verse 12, it says, Paul says, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I thank him. Catch the excitement where Paul's at right now. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. In other words, a bully to Christians all the way. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overwhelmed, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. And to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hominius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord, so thankful for your word. It guides us, shows us who we are, shows us who you are. Tonight, my prayer is that we'll be faithful to your word, faithful to this text. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's a little boy. If you can kind of jump into the story with me, but there's a little boy, he, uh, he was asked by his father to, to say grace at the table. Can you imagine that, a little kid? And um, just thinking now about some of my own kids saying grace at the table, but, but, but while the rest of the family was waiting for the little guy to say grace and say prayers, um, the, the little guy, he was eyeing all the dishes on the table, he was looking at all the food that he was getting ready, <laughs> can't even say it, that he was getting ready to, to thank God for. And he was looking at every dish and examining all the dishes, and after the little guy examined all the dishes, he bowed his head, and he honestly prayed this prayer. He said this, Lord, I don't like what I look at, what I'm looking at right now. 
but I thank you for it anyway. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that fun? You know, in verse 12 here, Paul had everything to be thankful for. Everything to be thankful for. If we read it again, it says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, faithful, appointing me to his service. We've got to think, even on verse 12, we've got to think, are we a thankful people? Are we a thankful people? You know, to understand really the, the thankfulness that Paul is, is uh, describing here, we actually have to look back at uh, verse 8, which we didn't, we didn't read. It was last week. But I, I, I want to read it to you. You can look in your scripture there. Verse 8, it talks about the law. And it simply says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And so what's taking place here is, is there's people who use the law in the wrong way, and there's people who use the law in the right way. And so Paul is saying, if you use the law, uh, use the law for what it's meant for, well, it's good. And so the question is, is what does the law do? And, and simply put, the law, it's good. It, it brings knowledge to sin, right? When, when we look at the law, it we see a picture of a, a sinful man, a sinful woman, a sinful person. And we, of course, we don't need a Savior unless first we, we see that we need a Savior. We, we're sinful people. And it, the law also shows us like good and evil. Uh, Galatians 3 says that the law is our tutor to lead us to Christ. So use the right way. The law is good and it, it brings out sin in our life. And so here's what's taking place. If, if we understand the law, then the law will make the gospel look amazing, right? When we use the law right, the, the gospel looks glorious. And if we understand how fallen we are because we look at the law, we, we see how sinful we are mentally, uh, relationally broken, and, and how offensive we are to God, then, then we see the gospel, it's, it's love, it's impact, it's grace, it's mercy, the mercy of God. Um, it, it, the law makes the gospel look amazing because the grace of God gives us a chance, gives us through Jesus Christ the ability to come to know Christ and have eternal life. And so we, when we begin to understand the, the depth of our own sin, okay, Personally, when we began to see the depth of our own sin, where we were and now where we are now in Christ, there's an excitement that takes place in a believer's life, right? Now, I think here, even in verse 12, as Paul shares his t testimony, uh, you, you see that he, he understands that. He, he, he understands where he was in Christ and where he is now in Christ, he sees that, uh, that he was lost and now he's saved, right? He sees that he was in cha uh, chains and now he's free. Uh, he talks about that in Ephesians also. He sees that he was in darkness, but he, now he's in light. He sees that he had no hope, but now he has hope, right? He sees that he was blind, but now he can see. And there's some application there with that. And so as, as Paul shares his testimony in these verses, as we continually hear the joy and the gratitude of this redeemed man, 
He's thanking God and praising him for saving an undeserving man like himself. Here's a man among all the trials he went through, all the hardships of being a a Christian who never lost sight of the excitement and joy of his conversion. And this is what I was thinking with that is if, if, if we ever, quote, kind of grow beyond our own excitement of our salvation, if, if we ever grow beyond our own excitement of others receiving Christ as Savior, it is a snare of the enemy. It is. When we lose our excitement for salvation in our own life, when we lose excitement about salvation and other people coming to Christ, it's simply a heart problem that we have to deal with. We have to think through. We have to think, okay, why am I that way? I can't help but think that, that Paul was a high-fiver <laughs> when it came to these things, Right? I can't help but think that, you know, if, if I envision Paul, um, you know, he's, he's kind of, uh, he's catching some new believers, and he's going, and he's kind of encouraging them, and he's kind of giving them high five. Man, I'm so glad that you came to Christ. You are my brother now. You are my sister in Christ now. And there's excitement in that. I mean, look, Paul, verse 12, been a Christian, went through all these things. He is still constantly passionate about his salvation, about the salvation of others. That's how I see Paul. Paul would be one of those guys who, when someone's getting baptized, he'd stand up and, and just, just thank the Lord out loud. And I know that there's, there's different ways that we can, we can show excitement and our support. I get that. But Paul, he showed his excitement. He made everybody understood, stand he made everybody understand that he was excited about his Savior. He did. You know, an, an old um, Native American, after living many years in sin, he was, he was led to Christ by a missionary, if you can envision that. A friends had asked this Native American to explain the, the change in his life. And reaching down, this Native American, he, he picked up this little worm and he, he placed this little worm on a, a pile of leaves. Then he lit a match and he touched the match to the leaves. And he watched those leaves smolder and burst into flames. And as the flames, as they, they worked their way up to the center where the worm was laying... The old chief, suddenly, he plunged down his hand and he, to the center of that, that burning pile, and he snatched that, that worm out of those leaves. And he was holding, holding that worm gently in his hand. And he gave this testimony of the grace of God. He simply said this, me, that worm, given a testimony of what grace is in his life. You know, we read Paul here, especially when we read verse 14. He says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
You know, it's because of God's grace that any one of us uh, as believers um, It would be any of us when it comes to our testimony, when it comes to the grace of God. We've received grace ourselves in order to share grace to others. You know, first, obviously a saving grace, you know, to share a saving grace with others. That's not, not only um, uh, on outwardly, but also verbally and invitation-wise. I want to share the gospel with you. I want to I show it to you in my life, and I want to speak it to you. And so there's, there's a lot of ways that we could apply grace when, as um, Paul shows this amazing grace in his life. Um, but, but there's one way that I want to, to share with you. It's uh, sharing grace inside the church. Now, now, you may think it's no big deal what I'm getting ready to say, but it, it is a big deal of how as a church that we continue we can continually share grace with others inside the church. And that's in the area of being a welcoming church, being a friendly church. That, that is portraying grace within our church. And it is very important. Uh, that happens to be one of my areas that I, 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 I minister here. And uh, we never want to see people come through the doors unless they experience the grace uh, that God has given us, right? And so what, what happens though is many times if I say, hey, you know, we, we need to move forward on being friendly and welcoming others and get out of our circles, right? And a lot of times when I say that, what we hear is, oh, you know, I am a friendly person. And what we mean is I'm a friendly person to the people I know, right? You know, I, I, you know what you mean is I, I smile at the people I know. I talk to the people I know. Um, but if that happens to all of us, then the people that are on the outside, they come in, they see a cold church. They see a church that doesn't have grace, right? Doesn't, is not welcoming, you know? And I'm thankful for, you know, our ministry of first impressions. I'm, I'm thankful for the many of you guys that I hear in the hallway that are inviting others to life group, uh, the conversations that I'm hearing in the sanctuary, uh, that I'm hearing in the balcony, that I hear in the hallways of just welcoming others. Um, it's so good to, to hear, overhear those conversations and and. And lone ochres uh, uh, just pouring their conversations in the people uh, that they don't know. But I, I do want to challenge us. I want to, to task us, kind of like in some ways, a small way, but in some ways how Paul tasked Timothy to share our grace of welcoming to others. I want to challenge you that, you know, to... To think beyond the circles and the people that you know, uh, the conversations that you can have. And I, I want to task you to just think about every Sunday the people that you don't know. Uh, definitely guests, absolutely. But, but to, to think about, hey, today, every Sunday for the rest of the year, every Sunday, I'm going to find someone I've never met or that I've never seen before, and I'm going to go up, and I'm going to just, just 
say welcome. Glad you're here. You may have been here for 50 years, but I want to I get to know you. I want to find out who you are. And, and so in the midst of that, we're sharing this, this welcoming grace. And so as people come in, they're saying, you know what? I like this. You know, I, I want to be a part of this. So we, we put a lot of weight, which I'm proud of. We put a lot of weight in correct teaching and preaching the word, which, again, we all should be proud of. But, you know, we, we practice that teaching. And we, we practice that preaching by, by welcoming and speaking to others outside of our circles and loving others um, outside of the people that we know. Another way to, to think through the, the grace of welcoming and loving others is, is to think about how God has, has welcomed us as sons and daughters of the King. You know, you think about even, you take a snapshot of the New Testament and you think about how God has welcomed us in the faith. You think about things like, you know, Jesus, he searches for us, Right? He seeks us out. Uh, he befriends us. He, he, he wants to become our friend. Uh, passages like how he leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? So if, if we have the attitude of Christ, then personally I see this, this picture of us introducing ourselves again to people all around us. And even before we sit down, we're introducing ourselves and say, hey, how are you? My name is this. And, you know, and everybody, before we sit down in the hallways, we're finding people because we want to share this welcoming grace toward others. Amen. And then there's verse 15 and 16. Now, verse 15 is the, the focal verse of the passage as we've read. And it says, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Amen. So Jesus, he came to save sinners. It goes back to a story, doesn't it? That we have a story to tell. Many times, um, as adults, uh, we, we think, you know, should I tell the story? Are they going to like the story? Is it the right time? Just tell the story. Share your testimony with others. Share it. You know, you, you think about the years that God has molded you and, and where, again, where you were and where you are right now. Your story in Christ is worth telling. So tell it. Make it known. And I, I want to I charge you, if, if you haven't shared your testimony with someone, you need to change that this week. You need to change that this week. If you've never shared your testimony, you need, you need to change that this week. Because God didn't put all that work into you for you not to say anything about it. Amen? It's true. So if you haven't shared your testimony, maybe with your family, you need to change that this week. You need, your, your wife and, or spouse needs to know it. Your children needs, your grandchildren need to know your testimony up and down. If it's been a while since you've, you've shared your testimony, I want to encourage you also to share your testimony. This week, tell your story like Paul has. Again, 
main, main part of that verse is Jesus came to save sinners. You think about that. And, you know, Paul, he looked unsavable. You think about his past and you think, man, I think there's some other people who could be saved easier than Paul, right? But the good news is Paul was saved. And Paul is an example that others like him can be saved. It is. There are times when, honestly, I think, okay, maybe you do this. <laughs> but I think, I think about some of my lost friends. And I think, oh, you know, I could see them coming to Christ. And then maybe one or two of thinking, ooh, that's going to be a hard one. And, you know, the great news is, is, is that grace can reach anyone. And that's Paul's point. Paul's point is if the grace of God can reach me, the grace of God can reach anybody. Anybody. I was reading this passage, studying, and I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about my little brother. Many of you pray for my little brother throughout the years, throughout the years. And at one point, uh, my little brother, he was, uh, it was like talking to a wall. You know, he, he lived in, he lived in LA and I, I, honestly, I, I could not even hardly understand the conversations that we were, we were having. They didn't, they didn't make any sense. He was totally um, out of touch with reality. He was anti-God, anti-Jesus. Even the conversations, I'm thinking that blue is red and red is blue. It just did, it completely didn't make any sense. And so for years, we, we prayed for his salvation, that he would come to know Christ. And Now, he hasn't given his, his life to Christ yet. He hasn't. But two weeks ago, he stepped into a church. <laughs> he stepped into a church <laughs> two weeks ago. This is the anti-God, anti-Jesus. You can't even have a conversation with this guy. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is an example that grace can reach anybody. Anybody. So the people you're praying for grandkids, kids, relatives, neighbors, whoever, whoever that is, don't underestimate, right, the reach of God's powerful grace. So thinking about that, you think about, again, Paul's writing his testimony. That's why I'm talking about this. Let's make sure our own testimonies are right and clear because we have a story to tell. Write it down. Practice it. Put it on paper. Usually I, I tell people, hey, there's, there's at, least, <laughs> at least three good points of a testimony. At least, maybe more. But one is describe yourself before salvation. You know, maybe not in detail, but d describe yourself, uh, who you were before salvation. What happened at salvation? I mean, did you? Did you realize you were a sinner? Did you, did you realize that you needed a Savior? 
Did, did you accept Jesus into your life? Did you, did you believe that he died on the cross and rose again? Put, put that in your testimony. And then lastly, how have you changed after salvation? What's your life after salvation? Is it more joyful? You have a purpose now in life where before you didn't have a purpose? Absolutely. And then we, we, we thank goodness, we, we're a church that always uh, brings the gospel when it comes to our, our sermons and our teaching. And usually a lot of times we use the ABCs, right? That's a, a great simple way to share your faith. Um, a is for admit you are a sinner. We all know this. B is believe that Jesus died and rose again from the grave. C is confess that Jesus is Lord and he's my Lord. Even later in, in Romans, you know, Paul wrote Romans and Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that wonderful? The grace and mercy of God. And see, Paul's passion to Timothy is Paul knows all this. And, and to distort any of that, he's passionate. Timothy, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Because if you add anything to the good news, it's no longer good news. No longer how, no, no matter how good you think it is, his perfect deliverance, the gospel is exactly how it needs to be. And then to end, um, when we display Christ in our lives, when we show Christ in our lives, we model Christ in our lives, we, we give him clear and ultimate praise and glory. Uh, Paul here in the last few verses he says to the, uh, verse 17, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, he finishes sharing, again, sharing his testimony. Then he moves into just praising God and talking about God's attributes, you know. You know, thinking about, again, about the connection between Paul and Timothy, I'm just... I'm kind of really sold that every Paul needs a Timothy. And every Timothy needs a Paul. You know, I'm, I'm sure Timothy had heard the, the, the truths that Paul had, had already spoken and wrote to him in chapter 1 which is a reminder to us all that much of our Christian life, much of our Christian dialogue is not bringing a lot of times new ideas, but it's bringing those tested and tried principles that we see in Scripture. Jesus came to save sinners Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, maybe you're here today, tonight, and you have never given your life to Christ. 
Maybe you've never joined the church. Maybe you're, you, you think about the text and you're like, you know what, there's a few things in this text that I want to I rearrange in my own life. Pray that you'll do that this evening. God bless you. Father, we come to you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Um, we pray that you would take your word in our hearts, our minds. Let us not forget it. Let us practice it in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.